Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast they call The Fantastical with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my friends to come on, collate their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. This is episode number 24. Thank you to previous guest, Dave Victor, who came on the podcast, and I had such a good time talking to Dave about all things music and learned a great deal about the man that is Dave Victor. Really enjoyed that one, but tonight... I have a new guest and I am so happy he's here sitting opposite me in my second face-to-face podcast. If you know this man, you'll know him just quite simply as the music man, Mr. Music. You'll be hard-pressed to find somebody as deeply into his music as this legend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Paul Hammond. Hello, Steve. How are you? All good, mate. It's lovely to see you. It's very nice to see you and especially being back at Mermaid House. It's superb. So we are in Mermaid House, we are in the room that Adrian V have christened, the Kate Bush room. Quite apt for a musical yes. legend for a... And you never know, she might appear later, you never know, <laughs> you never know. Early on with the season. So I've not seen you in, we were just saying, in about two and a half years. Last time I saw you was in this very building after the Adrian V conference where I was celebrating my 20th yes. Adrian V anniversary. You were about, or very close to hitting... 30. 30. I didn't get there. You didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, t- almost, right? Almost, that you can say that I did get there in a roundabout sort of way. So we could, yeah, we could, we, yeah it, it did get there in the, in the end, but there was a little bit of a break. It was a great night. We were on the same table. We were. I won HV Head Office Colleague you of the did. Year, which, were, which was one of the most proud uh, and best nights and moments of my life, uh, which was a great, a great evening, made even better by your great company. Oh. So sweet on my table. So I know you. Most people listening who work for H and V or who you know will know you. But just in case nobody else knows you who's listening, tell us about Paul Hammond. Uh, well, Paul Hammond worked for H and V for thirty years. Uh, before that, he did a few jobs, uh, fast food retail, did pub work. Um, but I always, always had a passion for music. Uh, I've loved it since I can remember. I've, you know, it, doing this uh, podcast has just been, for the last two weeks, it's just been one of the best things I've ever done. Just sort of thinking back to, to times when I first started listening to music, uh, you know, thinking about some of the great gigs I've been to, some of the great albums, some of the great memories. So now my my, 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 my work life is, is completely different. Uh, I work for Audi in Chichester. Uh, and if, if Steve will indulge me, I can say hello to a couple of people who uh, have requested me yeah. saying hello. Oh, this is, this is the fantastical first, people requesting to yeah. be shouted out. Let's do so it. So big, big shout out first of all to Alison. Uh, she'll love that. Uh, to Connor and Courtney. Um, yeah, I just want to shout out to them and all the great people I work with and Audi Chichester. It's been an eventful year, to say the least, for us. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted a big shout-out to them. So, thank you for letting me, indulging me and letting me do that. So, uh, Mate, Alison will be well chuffed. Tonight is all about indulging Paul yeah. Hammond. <laughs> we are going to do your fantasy festival. Yeah. Um, like I said, I know you as Mr Music. Every morning when I wake up, there's a Facebook post pretty much every morning about yes. some kind of different album that you're listening to. I know you have a vast, vast, huge array of musical tastes. Yeah. So, without giving away any spoilers, and this is probably going to be quite hard for you, as most of this podcast is going to mm. be, what are you into? 
Well, I listen to actually everything. Uh, I have a rule though, that if I put an album on for the first time, it has to be played from start to finish. It can't be... So I, I set aside time, for, especially for new releases. So um, Fridays, especially, I mean, I, I buy a lot of physical products, uh, but I also stream. Um, I, I use Spotify quite a bit. Um, so if I listen to an album for the first time, I will listen to it from start to finish, even if in the first second or something, I'm gonna hate this. I will, I'll see it through. Cause I just think that my view on music and my view on albums, and I'm an albums person, I'm not a singles person, I'm not a really a playlist person. I was a singles person, I was very young, uh, but I am fundamentally an albums person. And I just think to myself, if somebody has spent months or maybe years slaving over putting an album together, the least I can do is give it the attention it deserves for maybe the half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour it's going to run for. And um, so I, it, 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 if, if I listen to it, yeah, if I listen to something for the very first time, it has to be listened to the whole way through. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Is there anything currently that's blowing your mind, whether that's old or new? Right. If you hear a rustling of paper, by the way, whilst this podcast is going on, <laughs> Steve will testify that in front of me, there is a, uh, a few notes, because uh, I thought if I didn't write notes, I'm going to forget some of this. So, Love it. Um, as Steve probably knows, last week it was all about National Album Days for the 80s. So all last week I was primarily listening to stuff I love from the 80s. Uh, uh, the Human League was the Dares album, was my uh, album I played on Saturday on National Album Day, because it's my favourite album of all time. But the whole week I was indulging myself in sort of albums I listened to throughout the 80s. Um, but at the moment, there, there is a lot going on at the moment, uh, music-wise. Um, so I've written a list. Uh, I, I won't bore you with the whole list. Come on, let's uh, do it. That's what we're here for. All right. So I have to have a big, uh, to start with, uh, the, the thing I've just been absolutely loving is the uh, PJ Harvey reissues on vinyl. Uh, I'm a massive PJ Harvey fan. Uh, doesn't, there's no spoilers uh, here. Um, you know, she doesn't appear in my five. And I haven't been allowed to say that this early on because I'm sure sooner or later you can ask me who missed <laughs> The, 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 the five list but that story is from the album stories from the sea yeah. I, I, I play that constantly yeah. and that reminds me of working in Oxford Street mm. and we people in Oxford Street were well into her before yeah. she got commercially yeah. bigger and that, I, that album means so much to me I mean I because you know I don't know when the next run of uh, the albums are going to be released so there's, there's a couple before um, before all that album gets I think it's one more than that album comes out uh, but I'm not sure there's going to be any more this side of, of, of Christmas, but I've really enjoyed revisiting those. So other albums I've listened to this year, uh, um, the new Poets and Martyr album, I'm a huge fan of theirs. Um, um, love their last album, that was my uh, album of the year, the year it came out. Um, new BC Countlight album, loving that. The album's been on heavy rotation the last couple of weeks, it's a new Deftones album. Oh, I've been, I haven't heard that yet, but yeah. I keep meaning to listen to that one. That opening track, that opening track just... You know, it's, that was one of the few occasions where I nearly didn't go to the second track because the first track was so good. Uh, it, there is something about what that, that first track, I don't know what it is, but I did go through the whole album before I went back to listen to that track again. There was, I don't know if you've been listening, but Tim Burgess does listening parties. Yeah, yeah, he, I listened to, I've, 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 yeah, I've been on a couple of those. And he'd done one with Biffy Clyro yeah. recently, and Biffy Clyro said the most 
the two most important tracks on your album is your first track yeah. which is how you intend to start and yeah. then the last track yeah. which gives an indication of where yeah. they're going to take you next yeah. time and I thought that was really I've never thought about it like that like yeah. in that respect but that's a really quite clever way of looking at an album yeah I think you know talking about what I was saying just a minute ago about listening to albums from start to finish I think that's uh, that's a key thing for me because you never know you never know what you're going to get um, but yeah so uh, Press Martyr BC Camplight uh, Death Turns I've mentioned couple of albums from the uh, when I went back to HMB uh, in Portsmouth uh, the new Square Pusher album I'm a big Square Pusher fan um, Run the Jewels 4 uh, which uh, got a stream release early on in the year but they're going to got a physical release just recently uh, new Perfect Genius album I love 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 the new Taylor Swift album oh do you yeah and I know I know you're a fan of Ryan Adams and I think Ryan Adams cover of is it 1989 1989 yeah. I think his album version is better than hers oh. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be controversial I agree but the Taylor Swift album is a pretty good album I yeah. don't mind Taylor Swift and yeah. that was obviously one of Charlotte Lawrence's um, choices who she was listening to earlier today at work yeah her, her new album she's, she's a good pop artist she is a good pop artist and uh, you know what she's doing sort of politically as well I, I like it in, in the states at the moment um, but that album came out of the blue I just remember sort of waking up I think on the it must have been on the Friday because obviously most of you released Sky on a Friday and I, I went to Spotify to, to see what was, was on and it said oh new Taylor Swift album I listened to it and I just I absolutely loved it so um, I like listening to the Taylor Swift and the Ryan Adams back to back because right. they're, they're different interpretations of each song and how he interprets it and how she interprets it so um, Ryan Adams still has not been picked in anyone's fantastical yeah. lineup. 24 episodes in I cannot believe this <laughs> well we'll have to wait and see until a little bit later on uh, Roshi Murphy who I've been a fan of for a long time she, her new album I've been loving oh that's good lot. I heard that that's a good album yeah. yeah huge fan of hers um, I've seen her live a, a, a couple of times um, she's amazing on stage. I never saw. Is it? Um, I was getting mixed up with the logo she was in, wasn't it? I yeah. was getting mixed, something mixed up with more cheaper for some reason. Um, love the new Grimes album, uh, Car Seat Headrest, uh, Fontaine's DC. Even though I've struggled with the new Fontaine's DC, I struggled with it. Yeah, because that came out on the same day as Biffy Clyro, and I listened right. to Biffy, and that blew my mind. Yeah. And I listened to Fontaine's, and I don't know whether it's because Biffy impressed me so much, but yeah. I didn't really get into Fontaine's. Yeah, I'm still struggling. To be honest with you, I'm still struggling with it now. I mean, right. I'm, 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 I'm persevering with it, but their, their debut album was just, uh, it, I, well, it, I just loved it. I, I don't know where it made. It definitely <laughs> made my in the top my top. Uh, Top five albums of last year, but I think that it probably made it to number three or four. It didn't make number one. Um, but my two favourite albums of the year by female artists. Um, first is Agnes Obel's. I think you call it how you pronounce it, my opia. I think that's, that came out at the beginning of the year. Love it. It's on Deutsche Grammophon, which I didn't realise until I bought it. That's uh, it's a great record. It's just um, when sort of after Christmas and sort of going back to you know because I obviously had Christmas off, uh, went back and then. They had a week off because I went to a, I went to a festival in in, in in January, and then I think it was the first thing that came out when I went back to work, and I love it. But my album of the year, this might surprise somebody, is the new Jesse Bear album. I absolutely okay. love it. Uh, it's called What's Your Pleasure, and it's just got so many influences on it. So many. When I listen to it, it just reminds me of albums I listened to in the uh, in the eighties. Got a real eighties feel to it. Um, you know, it's just one of those records that um, I've just not got bored with listening to. Um, 
Also, just a, on a sort of, sort of side note, obviously I've talked about the way I listen to albums. Um, most of these albums will appear in my, my, my top 25, top 50 albums of the year. But I have a rule with that as well, that an album to qualify for uh, a top album of the year has to be listened to five times in a, without any interruption. It can't, if it's not made the five listens, it doesn't get a look in. So how do you know if you've listened to an album... I, I make a time. mental note of it, right? And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good when it comes to, um, to, to that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of times, if I like something, it will get the five listens in the first weekend, um, without, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, I, I um, you know, if I if I like something so much, I, I that's 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 generally what what I tend to do. Um, but when I when I you know when I look back, you know, when I look back on last year's uh, list. Because I was, you know, I was out of work for a couple of months last year. So, and when I got my redundancy money, I blew a lot of it on vinyl. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to be totally honest. HMV, Resident, Pine Vinyl, and you know, they did all very well out of me. Norman Records, they all did very well out of my redundancy. Um, but yeah, I, it was, it was, it was, it was a good year last year. But I know mentally, you know, that I've, that I've listened to it five times. So, uh, um, so yeah, so those, those are the things I've been listening to. A lot of albums from the '90s as well, because. Um, 1990 was probably the first, well, was the first proper full year if you take from January to December. I worked in HMB, and because we're in uh 2020 now, it's been great to revisit those yeah. albums. And when I first started in HMB, that that first experience, or that you know, because I I waited so long to go and work for in a music store. I wanted to do it for for so long, and I just dicked around and did other things. And I just I just one day I was in a job which I I sort of, sort of enjoyed doing, but. I just thought, God, I, I've, I've got to do something in the music industry. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound pompous when I say that. I mean, I couldn't play an instrument, I couldn't sing, uh, I didn't want to work for a record label, so working in a record shop was, 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 was a thing. I almost did it when I came to London. Uh, I was thinking about this on a train. I went to, uh, when I first came to London, I, I didn't have a job sorted, and uh, I remember sort of going to the record and tape exchange in, in Notting Hill Gate, but I had so many horror stories about how they interview people there about how they put you down if you didn't know what a B-side to a, an obscure <laughs> punk song was. So I sort of didn't, didn't, didn't do it. Um, but yeah, 89, when I, I, I finally sort of left the previous job I had and sort of took a sort of month off to sort of decide which record store to apply for, because um, there were so many back then, you forget. Yeah. Um, I was going to walk past HMV one day and there was an advert in the window and I sort of applied. And I, I, you know, I got the interview. I remember my interview actually really well, and then uh, started and just, just unbelievable that first year. Just I thought I knew a lot about music, and I met all these people that just blew my mind about what what they were listening to. And that first year, I, I read a couple of albums down. I read one artist. I haven't written the albums down, but the in nineteen ninety started with the Sundays reading, writing, and arithmetic, which is still in. I, I think I put out my top five albums in my 30 years at HMV. I love it so much. Uh, Black Crow's Shake Your Money Maker. Oh, great album. Yeah, I love it. I'm a big Deaf America, Deaf American, Deaf Jam, uh, uh, you know, the record label, yeah. which I think they were on, the, they were on at the time. Um, going to the Cowboy Junkies, which is a band I love. Uh, the Beloved's uh, Happiness. Uh, Depeche Mode released Fire later. Um, going to people like World Party. Another, I hate using the word guilty pleasure when you talk about albums. There's no guilty pleasures on no, the Fantastical no. Podcast, it's just yeah, pleasures, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Mariah Carey released her first album in, in, in and, and I, when I, I remember when I posted that on uh, Facebook that it was her 30th anniversary, 
and the amount of likes I got for that. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's a lot of Mariah Carey fans. There's a lot of love for Mariah Carey. Yeah, I mean, she went downhill a little bit probably after that third album, but that those first two albums, you know, are, are phenomenal. I, 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 they've stood the test of time, and I mean, you know, for for all this, this, the soap opera she may have become as a yeah. as an artist now, I just remember that first album. What else have I got? Um, there's three, oh, I was going to mention those three, but they're not, they're not spoilers, or one would be a spoiler. The other two I can mention because they're not spoilers. Um, it might be annoying to one person when I mention this band because they're not in my, my five. <laughs> but James Addiction released uh, Ritual de la Habitual in 1990. And I, at that time, I was a massive James Addiction fan. Uh, huge, huge fan. Nothing Shocking, which came out a couple of years before, um, I just loved. Um, and I might as well annoy Gideon Sugarman if he's, if he's listening to this there is no Slayer in my five I'm afraid <laughs> I'm a huge that, that was uh, um, Seasons in the Abyss which I think this time last week it was 30 years old mm. and they, it was the end of the three albums they'd done that I really loved so they'd done Rainy Blood uh, they'd done South of Heaven and then um, Seasons in the Abyss which was 30 last week but that first uh, that first year in HMV as I say it was such an incredible you know, there were eye, there's eye openers, there were eye openers over the years to come with sort of opening my ears and eyes to, to, to music. But that first year, just being in the company of people that just, it was their life. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, for long periods of time, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I just thought I was one of a few people that really <laughs> loved music, do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and it's only two years to come into a concert. I mean, I met people who enjoyed it, but with that first year HMV, I'd met people that had, their whole life just revolved around bands and music and so many stories of people when, you know, how they got into music. It was just a, such an incredible place to work. I walked past, past Chocadero today. It sells sweets now. I know, big sweet shop. I know. I had a bit of a tear in my eye when I saw that today. <laughs> so amazing acts and bands listed there I mean that is a lot that you've just reeled off and I don't think we've even cracked anywhere near the top of what we're gonna what we're gonna crack so let me take you back you mentioned 1990 I'm gonna take you back before 1990 I'm gonna take you back to when you get some money in your pocket and you start to develop your own taste you've got something that you want to buy so what was the first and I can I presume that you probably remember this quite well knowing how passionate you are about music I do remember it but I'm not sure if I remember it clearly do you know what I mean because uh I mean, bear in mind the age that I am when I first started listening. Because I don't remember my parents being particularly into music. I don't remember... We had a record player. Uh, we, had, we had some vinyl. Uh, I don't remember that... I don't... You know, I, I can't remember what was in it. I mean, you know, my dad had sort of quite conservative taste in music. I was a military um, child, so we moved around quite a bit. So the reason I say that, there, there were quite a few military brass band uh, albums in, in that collection. But the, 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 first, the first single I remember... Was, was that moment when I remember watching Top of the Pops, you know, playing, it, was, it must have been the early 70s, because like the really early 70s, I was living in Q8, because my dad was posted over there. And I remember seeing Sparks on Top of the Pops, um, doing this town big enough for the both of us. And it just, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a moment that comes up later on when we talk about the, 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 the five acts that, that was just just so pivotal in my just just it was just like being hit with a bolt of lightning as far as music was concerned but seeing sparks on top of the pops and just going out to Woolworths next day because I bought I think I pretty much bought all my singles from Woolworths 
because that was that was the place to go. Yeah. And I can't remember there being any. I mean, there, there was H and V stores, obviously, but um, I, well, I, I was living in Eastbourne at the time, and I just remembered seeing them on top of the pops and just thinking, "What is this?" <laughs> and I was I don't know how I wasn't I was eight, nine, ten, and top of the pops was such a massive thing. I get so annoyed now. There's no I know. TV program. I mean, we have so many bloody cookery programs and programs with useless people that <laughs> come from, you know, I don't know. And we have no, apart from Jules Holland, we don't really have Nothing. a proper music yeah. program now. Yes, yeah, good show. And it's just, it was such a massive thing for me, Top of the Box. Yeah, it was like an, I, like, I remember obviously being Thursday at 7 It was always Thursday at 7 yeah. o'clock. I remember it being Thursday at 7 o'clock. I just remember it was that one night of the week where, you know, you, you just had to be in. And I remember it was just, the schools I was at at the time, just remember the next day, that's all you talked about, you know, is who was on top of yeah. the pops last night. But that sparks uh, appearance. And I listen to them quite a lot now, because, I mean, obviously they, they, their body of work is enormous. Um, but that, that, I still listen to that track, and I can still, in my head, sort of visualise a sort of, I don't know, was it, I was about nine or ten, just imagine a nine-year-old watching Top of the Pots thinking, bloody hell, this is amazing. And then um, being given the money to, to, to go and buy it. Because I think most of my pocket money did go on singles. I don't remember, I don't remember buying much else. I didn't have a massive singles. I remember, you know, we, we, didn't, we weren't loaded. My parents weren't loaded. So I remember, uh, but I remember just going, uh, going to Woolworths. And if I remember rightly, just have this array of singles on the wall and just picking one and... And I was just in my head thinking the B side would be the next single. I don't know why, uh, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a fun time. So uh, that was first single, uh, first album. Well, we can we, we go on to albums, can we? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. yeah absolutely. First album out of my own money. Uh, we were living. I was living in Wolverhampton uh, at the time, and I wasn't very well. Um, I remember it. Uh, the sound clear. I remember it, and I really wanted uh, Queen's Night at the Opera. And that's the very first piece of vinyl I, I, I owned. Oh, wow. Um, I remember my mum bringing it home. And I think I had a record player. It was probably a track record player. But um, but I just remember just having it and having it in my hands and just feeling really excited. Just that white cover with the, yeah, the, yeah. the emblem on the front. And I only really knew, I think I only really knew Bohemian Rhapsody at the time. Because obviously that was, that was the year that it was the big yeah. single. And I just remember playing it and I was just, just oh my God. You know, I just, um, you know, I, I look at the album now and I, I still play it a lot. Um, it had such a massive impact on me. You know, I'm glad that was the first album, you know. I might have been given albums as presents before, but that's the yeah. album that I bought out my own money. And it just, and then I think not so long later, um, I, got, I was given, or I, I was given Queen 2, uh, which I don't want to sound a bit, um, I don't want to sound a bit, oh, doubt it's going to come out, but, that was the first time I looked back on it where, because there's a, there's a sort of a theme that runs through it, like the white side and the black side. And it was just, um, just the way that it flowed, the, the way it was, and I, I don't think I maybe looked at it like this when I was that age, but just the sound and the imagery and stuff like that was just amazing. You know, they was, they, they that, 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 that early Queen period, I was out yesterday with a friend of mine, we were talking about seeing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody at the cinema, you know, last year or year before. And it just brings back so many memories. Just, just seeing Queen. They, they, those, those first, you know, they were, they had a great body of work. But I think some, I think some of it went down a little bit here. And I think even they would admit it. So as I said, they progressed. But those, those first few albums. Hmm. But for me, definitely uh, Queen Two and the Night of the Opera were just, were just something else. The most featured band on a fan festival, as it doesn't stands. surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. Um, 
and looking, there was a magazine. I don't know if you. I remember remember. looking. Yeah, I remember looking. Yeah, yeah. Because it was almost it was like a kids' magazine. I can't. Was it? I'm not sure if it was a smash hits of its time, but I know it. It sort of. It was like a pop culture, wasn't it? Yeah. But like a yeah, but it wasn't really like smash hits. Yeah, I, 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 it's, I, I'd be interested to see a copy of it now, what it looked like, but I, don't, I do remember, along with Top of the Pops, that was a, a, a magazine, certainly when uh, I was living in the UK, uh, because half of the um, 70s I was living abroad, because my dad being in the army, uh, I do remember that being a, a big thing, poster in the middle and whatever. So. Brilliant. Some great stuff there. So tonight's all about collecting your fantasy festival. You said mm. you went to a festival back in January. January. That's probably one of the last festivals of, of the year. Well, of, of the world as we know yeah. it. <laughs> so I take it you are a big festival man. I, uh, I am. And in fact, the good thing about doing this is I maybe re- revisit uh, some of the festivals. I, I, think I haven't been to a lot. Uh, I, I, did go through, I did go to a lot in a short period of time. So on my list, when I and I had to, I was quite surprised. I thought I only did five of the first two, so I did six Reddings, six Vs, three downloads, uh, three End of the Roads, one Bestival, and Rock Road, which I did at the beginning of this year. Oh wow! So you've done quite a few then. Yeah. Is there any that stand out for you? I've got on my bits of paper that I wrote down. I've got my five. I've got my five greatest memories if I'm allowed to. Oh, you absolutely are. Let's and do this, it. And, this, and, and none of this. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm I, I, I sat in the pub today and proofread it, so I'm pretty certain none of this is a plot spoiler <laughs> to what's coming up. So, um, first festival highlight is um, first year I went to End of the Road because it was just, it was the 10th anniversary. They had three amazing headliners. So, Tame and Parlour headline on the first night, Sophie and Stevens headline on the Saturday night, and at that time, Carrie and Lowell was just like on repeat, and I just loved that record. And uh, I, I, even though I was, I'm one of those people I can go to festivals on my own. So half the festivals on that that I've just mentioned, half of them I just went on my own because I'm quite happy to, you know, I, I don't mind setting up in a field, uh, you know, and, and actually going, you know, to, to, yeah. to, even though there were people there that I knew, but uh, Surfing Stevens was right in the middle of the, where we had a sound desk is, and he, he was just an amazing, I cried a lot of it. He was so really? good. He oh, was nice. brilliant. He was, you know, I, I, I didn't really know his work. I know he'd done a lot of albums up until uh, I carried Lowell, but, it was just the most beautiful set, and then on the final night, the, the another band that just blew me away, War on Drugs. They they headlined the final night because uh, great band, yeah. And it was just a great weekend. It's a great festival. If if, you, if you've never been to End of the Road, it, it is the festival that I, I would highly recommend. It's, it it keeps its um, you know entrances down to minimum, so it's like eleven twelve thousand people. But it's such an eclectic group of artists that play there, and the fact that it's the last festival of the year. It's just I don't know, it's just a really cool, nice festival. Then on my number two list, I picked uh, the uh, year I went to Bestival in, on the Isle of Wight, so that's in 2012. So on the Friday night, we had Emily Sande, I saw loads of bands, but Emily Sande, uh, it was followed by the XX, but I'm not sorry, I just don't see the XX at all. Even when I saw, I went to see the Horrors instead, who I'm a massive fan of, and I could see the video screen of the XX on stage, and that even bored me looking at the video <laughs> screen. And then, uh, the, sorry if any XX fans out there, I really am. So I have tried, I have tried. And then Florence Machine was the headliner. And on the Saturday night, um, you had the Earth, Wind & Fire Experience, followed by Two Door Cinema Club, uh, followed by another favourite of mine, New Order. Uh, and that New Order set is actually available uh, as a CD uh, and online, the, the New Order Festival. And they finished it with Love Will Tear Us Apart. Again, I cried. That, that could be a fantastical in itself. Yeah. And on the, on the Saturday, Sunday night, this, this is just... Because I know I, this guy was mentioned a couple... Either on one of your podcasts, definitely, but... We have the last three acts with Bat Flashes, uh, Sigur Ross, 
and the mighty Stevie Wonder. And that was the reason yeah. why I went to festival because I thought I'm never ever going to be able to see Stevie Wonder if I don't go to this festival. Yeah. And um, Seagull Ross were in a real foul state. And I read in the following day was that when they when they were booked, apparently they were booked to play in the dark because a lot of their set is yeah. very visual. I don't think we've seen them. But yeah. I and uh, I think they were a bit annoyed that um, that's that, that that I mean even though it was very late in the year, it was still quite light when they played. Right. Uh, but Stevie Wonder, my word, you know, hit after hit. Mm. And he was so funny between the song. He did My Sherry Amour or something like that. And he said about the audience singing along. And uh, he started playing and he wasn't singing. And he just sort of started to say, Kitty, you don't know this song. <laughs> so you know, he just carried on singing. Um, and then two years I went to Spain to Benica Sim. Uh, so 2007, Arctic Monkeys, Muse Run the Bill, uh, Kings of Leon, Black Rebel Circle, Motorcycle Club, Hives. Devo, uh, the Human League, but the highlight of that festival for me uh, again was just I, I I knew one of these people's body of work, but not the other one. But it was Rufus Wainwright followed by Anthony and the Johnsons, in, and it was in a sort of small tent. And I don't know if you've ever been to um, a festival in Spain, but it started the doors opened really late in the oh, evening. Sorry, I have. I went to see. I went to a festival in Magaluf in yeah. 2002, but before they were like anything than what they are now. Yeah. And Oasis came on at like two in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean the headliners. The headlines come on at like half twelve, so they played like half twelve to like one, and then you still get a good bunch of backs afterwards. So um, that's great. And then uh, Benedict in two thousand and eight uh, finally got to see my buddy Valentine Seagull Ross again, who were playing in the dark, so they were happy. Uh, <laughs> Roisin Murphy played um, the Raconteurs, Richard Hawley, the National, and then I got five, and it's sort of there's sort of wish list people you want to see. I'm maybe not a massive fan of his work, but Leonard Cohen played, but he played at like really early he was like the first person on because I think he was due to play in Madrid or Barcelona later on that night so uh, but he was on at the same time as Def Cab for Cutie who I was a massive fan of at the time so yeah. I was sort of swinging between the two but uh, just to see Lena Cohen was, was brilliant and then the final one I just put on my list was, was Reading 2002 which was my second Reading um, I think it was one of the few Reddings where it didn't actually rain the whole time I was there uh, there's a whole list of artists here but I went with um some friends it was it was it was one of those festivals where when I came back uh it took me a week to recover because I was so heartbroken it had finished because I <laughs> saw so many great bands so like I, I'm just gonna I won't name them all but soundtrack of our lives Mercury Rev, James Addiction, Pulp, Andrew WK, Sum 41, Muse played, uh the Foo Fighters played, they headlined on the Saturday, Band I Love Rival Schools played, Von Bondies it was just a, it was just an amazing weekend and it was just um, yeah that, those those are definitely my, um, my my five highlights in the Oasis festival it was Oasis supported by Mercury Rev and soundtrack of yeah. our lives it's funny you mentioned those yeah well um, Mercury Rev uh, sorry, uh, sorry soundtrack of our lives feature quite well they don't feature on my my list uh, but I've seen Oasis twi- again there's not a lot of spoilers I've Oasis don't make my list either but uh, Oasis I think the two times I saw Oasis I think they had soundtrack of our lives mm. and um, yeah definitely they were really good Oasis at picking bands to support them I thought so um, I saw the Milton Keynes Bowl and I think they had Secret Machines and uh, soundtrack of our lives the choral played as well yeah, I'm not a fan of their studio work but live, live they, different element yeah different yeah. element yeah and there was another band I can't remember but uh, yeah when I saw them it was the Doves yeah Happy Monday. the Doves if Claire Bowers is listening to this she'll say Tell Steve it's doves, not the doves. Oh, sorry, doves. Sorry. It's like you can't say the editors. You've got to say editors. You can't say the doves. Apologies to all doves fans yeah, for the yeah. fraudulent slip of doves. Yes. Yeah, so those were festivals. And again, no spoilers. 
and I'm sure you've been to many a gig and many stand out and another piece of paper comes out there it is <laughs> this is amazing this is amazing right honestly this, this, the only other bit of paper on the air is yeah, the gig itself so let's talk about in some, some, some of your favourite gigs that so I, you know I, I mean I've been fortunate that um, I've you know I've been able to see loads of bands either, I'd either pay for them or I've got free tickets or whatever or just it happens to be you know just in the not in the right place but sort of living in London which you know it's, it's, um, it's it was, was a great opportunity to, to actually see loads and loads of bands so these are the bands that didn't quite make the list right so I'm not I, I, do you want me to run through them all I, I, can, I can quickly run through them all if you want your yeah. friend then your friend on one podcast said he put 42 acts Neil Slotnick put 42 so yeah. this is acts who haven't, haven't made, made your list haven't made my list alright I'm allowed to do this now yeah we can do this now okay so let's, how many do you think you've got on this, yeah, there would have been a lot more. Right, okay. There's, I reckon it's probably about forty. You've there's probably not more right, there. there's, there's about thirty there. There's, I'm not going to name. It. I, so Prince didn't make it. Oh, so Prince still doesn't make it onto a fantastic. But the weird thing about it was Prince. Uh, one of the one of my favourite memories of a gig was Prince on the Love Sexy tour because I had tickets for Sign of the Times and that got pulled for some reason. And I'd even maybe I remember him asking people to buy certain coloured clothes peach and black clothes and I'd actually bought everything and then he, then he was going to wait Wembley Stadium <laughs> and then the bastard and then the bastard cancels uh, Oasis <laughs> we mentioned a, a great festival band Faithless yes, I mean some yeah. of the you know that I've seen I've, I've seen them a couple of times uh, at festivals Peach Harvey we've mentioned uh, Nick Cave doesn't make it which I'm well, annoyed with my friend, one of my friends anyway uh, another band I've seen in various sides Randy Ramstein oh uh, Mike Grant Ramstein yes when I was thinking about this, I was and I put it that down. I thought if Mike Grant listens to this, he'd be annoyed. Uh, the Killers, uh, even though I had seen them at a festival, the Pixies, um, Slayer, Metallica. In fact, you know there is no. It's, it's not going to be possible. There's no metal acts on my my five, so that's going to annoy some people. U two, another band. I've only seen one. U two never been picked for a Fantastical, yeah. Yeah, yeah incredible body of work, and I think I've got about four or five of their live DVDs. But yeah, they just make it. Uh, abandoned studio work I don't really like but I think on stage they just is Muse you know I've seen Muse a couple of times festivals uh, Foo Fighters didn't make it um, Coldplay uh, Underworld uh, Depeche Mode uh, just do a couple more uh, Guns N' Roses didn't make it um, and there was a couple on there on a couple that I thought of who this would have been the ideal opportunity to to put them on because they're people who I admire, whose work I admire so much, but they didn't quite make the cut. One's Kate Bush. Or as we sit here in the Kate Bush room. Yeah, we sit in the Kate Bush and how about is I looked at that, I think, and I, you can't see this on the podcast, but next to me there's a picture of Kate Bush and she is performing at the Hammersmith Odeon in 1979. I know because I've seen it before. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the picture before. Um, another massive influence, uh, Grace Jones. And um, sorry, Steve, but Bruce Springsteen didn't make it either. That's fine. Springsteen has made two so far, so Springsteen's not doing too badly in yeah. the whole scope of the Fantastical. Some amazing acts, some live uh, live acts, and body of work and studio acts there who haven't haven't made it. So. And there's so many other bands. I was when I was looking through ticket stuff yesterday, and I was just you know I from the, the last batch of gigs I went to maybe the last ten years and. You know, it's it's been a real privilege to be able to see some of these. I know I paid to see them. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's come up my own money, but it's um, you know, some of the some great bands out there, some great music, and just some great live performances. Yeah, so we mentioned some fantastic acts, festivals, gigs, albums. So we'll move on now to starting to go through. So like 
I said at the top, if you've never listened to the Fantastical podcast before, this is a podcast where I get the guests to collate their fantasy festival. So Paul today can choose any five acts. One act, though, must play a studio album in full, and at the end of Paul's Fantastical, he gets to choose an encore, which can be any song ever recorded by any artist, which all five acts will perform together at the end of his Fantastical. So it's very simple, five acts, five time slots. For example, Dave Victor collated his Capital Gold Fantastical in our last episode. He actually had a compare, first time it's been done. So he had Ben Elton comparing his festival and in Dave's opening slot, he had Madness playing from two till three o'clock. In his super second slot, Dave had the Kinks with special guest playing. So he had Kirsty McCall come out and he had Chrissy Hyde come out and play a few songs with them. In his midway master slot, Dave had The Clash, and he selected them to play their seminal album, London Calling. So second appearance for London Calling in a fantastic one. I really like this one. In his pre-headline slot, not being uh, pedantic, Dave picked his own son, John Victor and friends. So John is in the band Gengar, who are fantastic. Check them out. And because John has worked with many acts, uh, such as Wolf Alice, and many more had Gengar form with their friends and introduced by Chaz and Dave, no less. And in Dave's headline slot, he picked David Bowie, who made his fantastical debut, unbelievably, 23 episodes in first appearance for David Bowie. And for Dave's encore, he went for Embers by Gengar. So a really enjoyable, fantastical lineup there from Dave. Like I said, a massive thank you to Dave. At this point, I would normally kind of give you an inkling to my predictions for the Fantastical. But like I said before we recorded, you've got such a vast taste and knowledge that I can't call which way you're going to take this. We could go down. Have you got any names? Have you got any names? I've got Sorry. none. No, because I try and limit myself to five. And because your taste is so vast, I, I, could, I didn't even know where to start. Right. And I'm glad I didn't look at it, like how much depth you've gone into it. I thought Kate Bush might... For some reason, yeah. I had Kate Bush in my head for you. Yeah. Um, but it obviously, just, we've spoken about Kate Bush. It will be explained very shortly, but it just, I wanted it to work, but it just didn't fit into what, you know, as I said to you before the, the, um, we, we started recording, I spent two solid days over <laughs> this before I even started writing any notes down. So uh, I love yeah. it. I love it. So let's get going with your right. fantasy festival. So very important. First question, sets the tone for your yeah. festival. What are we calling Paul Hammond's Fantasy Festival? Well, as you know, and as some of the people who follow me on social media know, I always put hashtag Paul Listens To on everything I post about music. So my festival is at Paul Listens To, Heavenly Half Day Meltdown. <laughs> Paul Listens To, Heavenly Half Day Meltdown. And the reason why I put Meltdown on there, just to explain, I, I hope the other bits from the sort of circus magic, heavenly because I've been heaven, half day because it's half day. But the Meltdown is, uh, there's a festival, for, for, for obvious reasons, it doesn't take place this year, but there's a festival on the South Bank every year called the Meltdown. And somebody curate, curates yeah. it. And I've never been to one, but I just love seeing what, I mean, it's a bit like doing this really, is what an artist, what, you know, an established, they're not even necessarily all musicians, are they? I think, you know, it's, I think... There's a few artists have done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's... It, I love to see, I mean, when Robert Smith curated his, it was just great to see the people that he picked. But, you know, every year when it got published, I think, I wonder who they're going to pick. And, you know, and, and, it, it, and that's, so that's why I put Meltdown in there. Also, I, if it said Paul listens to Heavenly Half Day and there was nothing else under it, I kept thinking of what else to go after us and that was it. So No, I like it. It's got a nice ring to it. And like I say, with every Fantastical, we can take place wherever you want to go. Yeah. So we go to stadiums, academies, halls, 
parks, front gardens, back gardens, living rooms, yeah. offices. Where are you taking us? This was the easiest choice for me. We are going to Llama Tree Gardens in Wiltshire, the home of End of the Road. It is, if you've not been there, it's just the best place to see a festival. There's four stages, there's the big top, uh, there's the garden stage, the wood stage, and the teepee stage. But it is, you know, it, it, it's very rare you'll go to a festival where you actually see peacocks walking around. It yeah. is amazing. It's just, it, it's just a beautiful part of the country. It's miles from anywhere, you know. If you, if there's a, there's a, a, a bus service that, that goes from, um, from Salisbury to, to get there. But, you know, it's just, so I've been there three times. It's just, just the best, best place to see a festival. It really is. It's just in the most beautiful surroundings. So that was the easiest part of this because I knew exactly where I wanted to hold it. <laughs> Amazing. So we've got the Paul Listens uh, to Heavenly Half Day Meltdown yeah. Festival taking place at Llama Tree Gardens in Wiltshire so the time has come yeah so I've got my time so I hope I'm not breaking the rules here because I've got my times oh okay but I've also got one other thing if, if, if I can't do this and say but I've got the album I want to be played before the band comes on stage Is okay yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we can do that yeah I, I mean, it's only because I don't know about you but sometimes when I go see a gig sometimes it's really great when it's, it's not so a festival but when you go see a band in a, a like Brixton Canada or somewhere it's great to get they, they pick the right album to play just as the band comes on yeah sometimes it's the artist's plays. you sure it's alright yeah, yeah mate it's your fantastical right. it's your fantastical right. my friend no I like it when people put a different scope on it yeah, yeah. I'm got, I haven't got a comp there though cause, uh, but no but um, no that was I just thought that uh, that was the last thing I decided to when I was on the train today when I sort of put finishing touches to it that you know before each artist came on I wanted a a particular record to sort of soundtrack them onto the stage. Okay, so it's two o'clock then. Oh, well, actually, on mine it's one o'clock. Okay, so it's one o'clock. <laughs> so it's one o'clock. I should have said this before. <laughs> so the first, the first act is on at one o'clock. Okay, so, so before the first act comes on, we are listening to. We are we're actually in the big top at uh, Lama Tree Gardens. Each of these artists have actually uh, nominated the stage that they're going to play. On. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The TP stage, which is like a small stage at the road, that's going to be where. Uh, it's going to be my place where uh, all like, the backstage stuff goes on. Right. That's where the uh, unlimited bar is and that's where everybody congregates and stuff like that. So, uh, once 2.15, um, this was just a no-brainer for me. They are, they are simply, without doubt, my favourite band on the planet. And they have been for maybe four or five years. A band called Trams. They're a local band to Chichester. I absolutely love them as musicians. I love them as friends. They currently rival, or they're currently, yeah, they're, they're currently on equal level with Slayer as the band I've seen the most times of 19 apiece. Oh, wow. I, I, I just, they, they, they're three piece, uh, Stuart Hopkins, Lee Padley, uh, and Adam Stott. Lee and I worked together on HLE in Chichester. Uh, didn't really know that Lee was in the band when I worked with him. And, um, you know, I found out that he was in a band and, uh, when I first heard their stuff, it was sort of a bit hit and miss. I mean, uh, he won't be, I hope he won't mind saying this, but Stuart's vocals were difficult for me to get around. And then one day it just it just clicked and I've just loved them ever since. Um, you know, they they played my 25th anniversary uh, gig at HMV. So I basically, I wanted to, when I got to 25 years, uh, I just wanted to do something special. So we had the, a pub in Chichester and uh, they played and another band played as well. Uh, but I just so wanted them to play because I just, I just love what they do. Um, 
and they their, their debut album Grin, the Science and Fact Cat Records, the debut album Grin, they, they launched in HMV. It was one of the first in stores we ever did. And um, so they did they did a did an album called Grin and a couple of years later did Modern Dancing. And then they sort of um, for whatever reason they, they, they sort of stopped recording. Uh, they, you know, obviously they, they know the reason why, but just before they stopped they released a a track called A House on Fire. And you know the year Spotify sends you that list of you the I don't know, you have you got Spotify before? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they send you that list of out the tracks that you've listened to the most. Yeah. For four years running, that has been my number one paid wow. track on Spotify. It's just um you know, and it, uh, just recently, because uh, Stuart, um, the lead singer, shops an Audi, so I see him sort of like every week or so. And uh, it, it, I guess I, I just pest, I've been pestering him for it because I've been pestering for so long about new music. So I just want a third album because when they did a house on fire, I just thought, God, I just got to hear an album with this out. So whether this song gets included on the third album, which hopefully will come next year, I don't know. Um, and then I've had, a month or so ago, they just dropped a single called The Greyhound, which if you. You're going to have an introduction to trans they've got a playlist on spotify which has got all their stuff on it yeah. listen to the greyhound first listen to house on fire just listen to them and if they play near you just go see them live they're just wonderful people and you know i've just picked them because i just love what they do you know i bought so many copies of their album first presents for people and i i would you know they're one of the few bands i would sort of travel through the night to a different part of the country to go and see they just live they, they've got such a great arsenal of songs and um i would you know they, they would be the band uh that, that that opened up and then what would be the album that before they came on which i mentioned is uh the greatest live album of all time even though some people doubt whether it's fully live it's thin this is live and dangerous oh great album yeah which i didn't actually mention in the inspiration albums when i first started listening to music is uh, live and dangerous and jailbreak by thin lizzie were two Sort of key albums in in the in the seventies when um, when I first started uh, listening to music. So so yeah, it will be. It, it, I mean, an hour and fifteen minutes. They, they would get both albums in. I'd love them to finish on a house on fire because to me, you know, when a song is your favourite song, yeah, for for four years running, you know, it's just uh, you know, it got to be something special. But they are lovely people, and uh, yeah, please check them if you have never checked them out. Please check them out. It's I love them. I love them. Brilliant. So the trams, mate, they're fantastic. No trams. Not trams. their trams. Sorry, I always divert to trams. It's not their so trams. It's trams. <laughs> it's because it's so trams is difficult. So trams, yeah, so mate. T R A N S. Yeah. So trams, mate. Their fantastical debut yeah. at Paul listens to heavenly half day meltdown. They'll play from one to two fifteen. So they'll play. Right. So your festival starts a bit earlier. Yeah, it starts a bit earlier. People, it will. Maybe. It will work when you when you, when you get to the time. There is a reason why. <laughs> Sorry, right. I really I messed with the formula now, haven't I? You're, no, I like it. I, I like it. I'm trying to get my head around it. Right. So trams make their fantastical debut. So they're in the big top. So we stay in the big top for for the next one. Um, so before I mention about the next one, the when trams when the lights come up for trams, in kicks. The Death Turns White Pony. That will be the album that oh, yeah. will be like the it. album between Trams finishing and the next band starting. The next band, there's this there's two there's the there's two three of my the next four I've picked for particular reasons. The next one I picked because the person who introduced me to this band introduced me to so much music and I'm looking at a post-it note in front of me and well, I was looking for the ticket stops last night. This guy called Phil Christopher. We worked together at H&B Milton Keynes. He, he was a, 
I say he was a dear friend of mine. He, he's still around, but and, and I'll come on to you know what happened this year. But you know, he introduced me to people like Interpol, Iron Clue, The Vines, Sparkle Horse, Art Brute, Granddaddy. He got me into the Flaming Lips. He introduced me to Mercury Rev. He really got me into Lamb Chop in a big way. Uh, McCuskey and uh, and you will know us by the trailer dead. But my artist between two forty five and four p.m. and I want him there with me because he means so much to me is Mogwai. Oh, Mogwai. Yeah. Great shout. So He introduced me to Mogwai. Um, yeah, Mogwai is one of those artists or bands. When I go on my epic long walks, I just, I love to soundtrack it to Mogwai. If you've never, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast would have heard of Mogwai. Um, if you haven't, you know, it's loud, quiet. There's minimal vocals. It's very guitar-based. Um, they've done a lot of albums. Mm. Um, the, the albums I picked out as recommendations are... Essential Belters, which is like a retrospective of their career. Uh, Happy Songs for Happy People, which is my favourite album, and Government Commissions, which is the John Peel sessions that they did. And they've done a really good soundtrack this year uh, to, a, I think it's a TV program called Zero Zero Zero. And it's really great late night headphone listening to if you get a chance to. But uh, Phil introduced me to um, those bands and Mogwai. And what makes it even special, and, in, and doing this podcast and doing it this year, was um, on the very last day at... Um, at the festival I went to this year. I hadn't seen Phil Frazier's. We, we went to festivals. We, we did 12 festivals together. It was, it, was, it was just an amazing company, but we just lost contact. It was just one of those things where you just, you know, I'd moved to a different part of the country. Yeah. He wasn't on social media. And on the very last day at Rockaway, we, uh, I was having breakfast and I got up and I was heading to get a cup of coffee. And this, this woman came towards me and I recognized her straight away as his now wife. And he was sitting there and they apparently had seen me all weekend. And he just said he wasn't sure whether it was me there. And we had a massive hug. It was so wonderful. Didn't see him for the rest of the day because I thought this, because I was quite overwhelmed seeing him. And then that night we watched uh, The Wedding Present and uh, Fontaine's DC close out the festival together. And then when he left, I gave him a big hug. I've got his phone number now. But I'm not back in contact with him all the time. But he introduced me to so much great music. And when I was putting this together, I just thought, I want to have him there with me because he introduced me to so much. Yeah. But he introduced me to Mogwai, and um, I love Mogwai. Absolutely love Mogwai. That's a lovely story. I when you started saying it, I was like, I know where you're going with this because I, I, you posted that photo. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's lovely, man. Yeah, it's really good. No, it was. When you don't see somebody for such a long time, somebody has such a massive impact on, especially from a from a musical point of view, to to get in contact with them again. And I remember because I did my hundred albums of the uh, the decade. Um, uh, you know, last year, and I posted that to him. And he said, "Oh, yeah, some really good stuff." And then he sent me some bits that he did. Uh, so I haven't spoken to him since, not for any other reason. But uh, hopefully, uh, Rockaway will go ahead in January. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, he's definitely going to be there again. But I think we sort of we agreed when we left that we we're going to try and make it a yearly good. thing now where we meet up. But yeah, he it was. Um, you know, he's a great friend. He introduced me to so much great music. And it would just be an absolute pleasure for him to be there with me to watch Mogwai at this my festival. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. So Mogwai take your super seconds slot. So they'll play till 4pm, right? 2.45 to 4pm. Right. So between 5 and 6pm. And what's, what, what is the album that leads into this is David Bowie's Let's Dance. Oh, uh, do you know what? I said this last week. That's my favourite David Bowie yeah. album. It's not necessarily my favourite, but it, it, it links in quite nicely to the... So I've picked an artist for this slot who had a massive impact on me personally when I went through some difficult times when I was a kid, 
when I was a teenager in, in and I'm not, you know, I'm not using this as a, a sob story thing, but this, what I'm, what, why, why I've put this artist and this particular thing on this part of my festival is between five and 6.30 p.m. I'm gonna have somebody perform a record that is so close to my heart. It's Donna Summer and she's going to perform the entire Bow Girls album in full. It's so hard for me to, to say why this record, you know, without being too emotional about it. But everybody's got a comfort blanket record. Yeah. And this is mine. And since, you know, you asked me, invited me to do this, um, this record I have played in full every single day. Oh, really? Since, and I, I just knew that it had to fit in. Um, and I've picked somebody I want to be with on this because, um, again, just through what happened last year with, 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 with you know, when, when my initial thing with HIV came to an end and, and with COVID um, and, and all the implications of that, I want to have a girl called uh, Sharon Jones with me. Sharon. Oh, I know Sharon. Do you yeah, know Sharon? yeah, I know Sharon. Best hair in the world. Best hair in the world. But Sharon. <laughs> uh, Hello, Sharon. Yeah, Sharon, if you're listening, uh, big up. She is such a positive force of nature. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you follow her on social media, yeah. but her dances in her shop. She is, the, uh, I worked with Sharon for about a year and a half at the Chocadero, and she is, she's amazing. And um, on two occasions, last year and this year, I've sent her a letter with a piece of vinyl just to thank her for being such a positive impact and, and, and getting me through, you know, because it was difficult when I, when I lost my job at h &B. There were a lot of people there who, who were, were, were really good. Um, you know, my friend Naz, who I was out with yesterday, you know, she was really good. But Sharon, just, there's something about Sharon Jones. You can't, when you say Sharon, you can't not smile. Yeah. If you, you have to see her. And you have to, I remember going to a wedding. Uh, I remember going to, uh, I don't know if you remember Frank Crawford, she worked for HMV, yeah. went to a wedding. And there's a great picture, there's two great pictures of me and, and, and Sharon just uh, air guitaring. So we, we were probably doing Guns N' Roses or something like that. But she is, and it was, I know, I, I know I'd have a good time because I'd tell her beforehand why I want her to be there. And I know she'd, you know, she'd go and listen to the album. She'd not listened to it before. She'd know when the ballads come. She'd know when I'd cry. <laughs> um, but I want to finish this set with, um, you know, I was saying earlier on about one moment, one musical moment that was like a light yeah. bulb. And this person, it's this person when, when I first heard I Feel Love for the first time. It's my favourite single of all time. Um, it's the first CD I ever bought. Uh, I bought the dance collection uh, from h and in Exeter, which then went on to be H went, at some point later went to be FOP, which I managed. Amazing, um, <laughs> yeah. But the, the eight and a half minute version of I Feel Love, I, I didn't hear that version, but it was, I think, 77 or whatever. I just remember hearing on the radio and it was just like being hit by a bolt of lightning. I thought, this is... I'm not going to swear, but this is effing just the best thing. <laughs> I, I promise I wouldn't swear, and I'm not going to. But it, you know, I, it's it just moves me so much. It's just a great record, and it's um, and the reason why I picked Bowie is a couple of days ago, I was sort of, when I was doing some uh, re not research, but I was sort of doing stuff for this. Apparently, when David Bowie first heard "I Feel Love," he said that's the future of music, and it was the first record. in you know, Donna Summer was the first time I sort of connected the producer as well with obviously Georgia Moroni and Peter yeah. Bertini. Uh, to, to an artist but I wouldn't say I was a massive fan of all her work but that this particular album just got me through so many difficult times and good times and it's just it's just a great record it runs for nearly 70 minutes there's a couple of sort of slightly dodgy tracks in it which you know I probably could leave off if I needed to but for me to thoroughly enjoy it I'd have to just have to hold the whole thing you know it would be she's going to be playing on the uh, the wood stage which is the main stage 
it's going to be glitter balls, it's going to be like Kylie at Glastonbury, there's going to, everybody's going to be in their, their best clothes, you know, he's going to go back to the tent after, uh, after Mogwai and sort of spruce themselves up a little bit. It's just going to be, it's going to be a fun hour and a half. And it, that would be the centrepiece of my festival, even though there's still two acts to go, two acts that I love, to me, that I don't, I don't know, I know she passed away a few years ago and it's never going to happen, but you know, what I would have given to have seen her perform live and uh, perform that album live, it would just be something else. So, amazing. So that's my uh, five till six thirty. Paul listens to Master Album uh, in full, Don't Look Back, whatever you want to call it. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it means so much to me, that record. So, Donna Summer takes your Midway Masters slot yeah. playing her album Bad Girls. I feel like I can picture the cover in my head. I just it's, 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 it's not the nice thing. It's basically her sort of scantily dressed in, uh, dress in the front and there's a picture behind with a policeman and she's sort of dressed as a hooker and there's a train and <laughs> there's a, sorry, um, a light and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, don't let that put you off. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant record. That's amazing. It means so much to me. That's amazing. So she'll play from 5 till 6.30. Yeah. So it's time for another album then, I think. Time for another album. So before uh, our next artist, we are going to have Embrace the Goodwill album will be playing ah, over the speakers. Love it. I mean, that that is in my top five albums from yeah. my growing up period. Yeah. Unfortunately... I saw Embrace about five years ago at Shepherd's Bush Empire when they reunited yeah. last day of the tour. And Danny McNamara has always had a questionable voice for yeah. some. I've always really enjoyed it. Yeah. But this night, I think he was just knackered. Yeah. End of the tour. They were playing songs in a different key right. that I, was, I couldn't quite handle. Musically, right. they were brilliant. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy it as much as what I would have yeah. liked to have done. And that kind of put me off Embrace for a few years. And yeah. they'd done a Tim Burgess listening party about three months yeah. ago. Yeah. Goodwill Out. And it was the first time I'd sat back and listened to it mm. in a couple of years. And I thought, this is... And the follow-up album. I forgot still what holds up. Yeah, I forgot what the follow-up album's called. I can't mean... Uh, uh, out, out of, no, it's not Out of No, is it? It's um, Drawn From Memory. Yeah. And there's so many... That I could say a lot about... Uh, um, uh, embrace, but it, it was sort of slightly ruined what's about to come up, so I can't say any more about it than that. So, 7.15 to 8.45, we're at now. So, you're time for your pre-headline act, yeah? So, this is a band whose studio work outside of two albums just leaves me cold, and before I mention it to <laughs> the name of the artist, please people don't go onto social media, bombard Steve with, oh, what's he talking about? My seven fifteen to eight four. The reason why I picked them is every time I've seen them play live, I've had some of the best live experiences. And the three, um, three people are joining me for this. One is a girl called Natalie Pike, who I worked with in Kingston in the late nineties. One is Claire Bowers, and the final one is Simon Moore. Because Simon Moore, not only one of my best friends, most of the times I've seen Bell and Sebastian, I've been with Simon, and I've had the best nights. I've either been with Simon and Claire. Natalie, I went to, the very first time I saw Ben and Sebastian, I saw them at the Albert Hall. So uh, Simon and Claire, there was uh, me and my friend Lisa and Natalie and Tim Reese when, when uh, we went. And I saw them and I said, oh, they're all right. Yeah, they're all right. So I went back and sort of started, had to listen to their stuff and oh, that doesn't do anything for me. And then over the next, I don't know how many years, I mean, it's right up until last year, to be honest with you, Simon would always phone me up and every day at work, and I always knew what it is. It was like, Paul, do you fancy coming to see Bell and Sebastian? It's like, <laughs> nobody else who wants to come and see me. But I, 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 I've lost count about how many times I've seen him. I think it's, it must be coming out to 10 times. 
I've seen them pretty much all the time with Simon or Claire. But I've had su- they're such a great live band. And, you know, um, yeah, I just have so much fun watching them. But then I've gone back to listen to their records and it, it doesn't transpire. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. Apart from uh, If You're Feeling Sinister, which um, I, actually one of the gigs I went to, they, they you know, sometimes, like, um, not sometimes, but a few years ago, um, All Tomorrow's Parties did those Don't Look Back tours where they, a band would come on and they'd play an album yeah. all the way through. So I saw um, them do If You're Feeling Sinister at the Barbican. And that, that, that was a really, really good night. But, you know, I, 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 they're a bit, a bit, I mean, like I said, something about the Coral. They're a band I love seeing live. But when I put the studio the on, it loses something. It loses something. Yeah. I mean, they, there's, I, you know, I've seen them in sort of, uh, sort of Islington Academy. They did a fan uh, club thing, I think. I think Simon or Claire got tickets for that. I saw the Reading when I think Franz Ferdinand must have picked them because they were, they were quite low down on the bill. Because they, 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 were, they were friends with Franz Ferdinand. But, um, yeah, I have such a great time, and I love being with Simon when I watch him. He's so he's, he's such a great person to go to the gig with. Uh, I've been to a couple of fest, day festivals with him, um, but I always leave a Ben and Sebastian gig just feeling so. <laughs> I, I, obviously, you can't see what I just did then, but it, I just feel absolutely amazing. And then I go and I get home, and I say, I'm, I'm sort of say to Simon, "What do they play?" And he gives me a list of stuff they play. Put the album in. Is. I'm not going to, I don't like this. <laughs> so, sorry to Ben and Sebastian fans if you're listening. If you're feeling sinister and Boy with the Abstract, I love, I can take on any of the rest, but live, they, I'm, I'm more than happy for them to be in, in, in my, my um, sort of second to last slot. Yeah. They, and they're, they're going to be playing the garden stage, which is a beautiful stage at, uh, at Lama Tree Gardens. And they're the only band that actually that gets to play on the garden stage. Because it just suits, I think the garden stage would just suit them. But um, so yeah, it might come as a shock to Simon when he hears this, or if he does hear this, I picked him, and I picked them not because of Simon, but because I say I've had such a great time watching them. So um, yeah, such an uplifting band to see. Really, really. Have you ever seen them? No, I was just thinking. I was just trying to see to, to go back in my head to see if I've ever seen them at a festival, and I don't. I don't think I have. I've only seen them once at a festival. The rest of the time I've seen them, yeah. like, you know, in, in venues. So um, they did, um, I think last time I saw them last year, and I saw them in Oxford, they were doing, they did this thing on a boat somewhere. Like, um, they, they, you know, those bands now, they, they hire boats out and they, they, not, you know, ships out and they all the fans yeah. and all that. So there was like a warm-up show in Oxford. And um, again, I went with Simon Stan. It was just, you know, they, they just come, just, they, they're just a band you just feel really happy watching. You know, I think, you know, even the first time I went to see them, even I didn't really know what they did, what, you know, they're just so jolly the way they, they, <laughs> when they move around on stage, you know, it's like, God, you know, I could quite happily be in a pub with you talking to you and or whatever, but no, they're superb, so that is my penultimate band. So they make their fantastical debut, Ben and Sebastian, and they take your pre-headline slot they on the guard the stage. So, Paul, we've had four acts, your pre-headline act have just finished, we've got one more act and one more album. That needs playing. So what? We've got to be on the second album. We've already had album. No, one. sorry. Like the full album oh. you're going to play before your headline act comes All right. on. Oh, right, album. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so what are you gonna? So what's gonna? So be what's gonna? What's gonna soundtrack this? My final act uh, is the wonderful Miss Grace Jones, and she is going to. We're going to be listening to the brilliant "Living My Life" album, which was my introduction to to Grace Jones. Um, Sadly, not available on the streaming service. I did try and buy it today. I was in, I was in FOP and I couldn't find it. Uh, the great FOP in Covent Garden. You're still brilliant, by the way, if you're listening to this. Still my second, well, now my second favourite record shop after Red Saloon in Brighton. <laughs> Love going into FOP in Covent Garden. It's a brilliant Great shop. It's a great shop. 
So yeah, we're going to be listening to uh, Grace Jones's "Living My Life." And... I still have no idea who your headline is going to be. Like looking down at the acts, I'm trying to figure out in my head who I think it could be, and I still have none. Right. None the wiser. I think to, if, if people are listening to it, so some some people might because I say I've not told anybody about my my headliner. So my headliner, I'm going to be accompanied by the person I consider the music man, my friend Curtis Hall, who I work with in NHMB, um, who went off to work in resident in Brighton. Uh, he's now he's a postman full time. He works the rest of the weekend. He's a guy that he, he's a he's a brilliant friend. Uh, he just just gives me so much great new music to listen to. Like um, you know, I, I wake up. I don't not as often as he used to. So Curtis, pull your finger out. Uh, but he, I would wake <laughs> up in the morning and there'd be I listen to this, listen to this. And so the headliner is Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop, love it. So Iggy Pop makes his fans festival. He's playing on the wood stage. David. He's only playing for two hours. He's given over some of his time to so Donna Summer could have a bit of extra time. Um, but this was just a no-brainer for me. Um, I love Iggy Pop. I've seen him. I, I, I've seen him on his own probably about eight or nine times. And when the Stooges got back together, maybe another three or four times. There is nothing quite like an Iggy Pop gig, you know, in the sense of he comes out on stage. I've never seen him come out on stage with a shirt on. Yeah. So he comes out, and bearing my old ears and. You know, just a sort of slightly small regret. A couple of years ago, uh, when the post-op depression tour, uh, you know, the, the, the thing he did yeah. with Josh Homme, um, they were they they did they could get the album hall, which then ended up as a DVD. Yeah, Mark Grant was a few guys from here with Mark yeah. Mike Grant win and Ross Wilson win. There's yeah, a few I so here. regret not going because I've got it on DVD and it's just um, you know it, that just gives you some idea. I mean, I, th- I think it comes on in the jacket, but I don't think it comes on. With, but he just gives a hundred percent. You know, and um, first time I didn't get into it until very late, so I'm not going to turn around and say, "Yeah, I got into him when you know uh, when I you know." Cause I didn't hear the Stooges until way after I, I knew about him, so I got into him in probably the round the blah 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 album or Instinct or the Brick by Brick album. I can't remember which album it was, and um, I'd had tickets to see him uh, a couple of times, but I just didn't go uh, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but the, the first night I remember so clearly, because uh, it's my only rock and roll story, uh, which I'm going to, I've told a few people. So we went to, so I was at the Trocadero, we went to the, it's, it's now the Forum in Kensington Town, but I think it used to be called the Town of Country. Yeah, it's yeah. been called several things over the years. So we get there, so there's five of us, so there's me, um, I definitely know this boy Crawford Day was working at the Trocadero, and there's three other guys from the Trocadero. Anyway, the three guys at the bar, I think he comes on stage, and I'm just immediately, my God, you know, why have I waited so long? Anyway, so I'm halfway in the middle between sort of like the stage, the sound desk and the stage. He stage dives, so everybody comes back. I managed to get to the front, right into the very front. I've never ever done this again. Um, and he's singing in front of me. And this is before the days where the barriers were, you know, there was really gaps in yeah. the barriers. And he's singing and he's right in front of me. And for some reason, and to this day, I don't know why, I grab hold of his microphone lead and I put him on top of me and I just don't let him go. And I, I, if Boyd Crawford is, you know, I haven't seen Boyd for donkey's years, but he was standing behind me. When he got back on stage, I turned around and I said, and Boyd just like that. Anyway, he finished the song and he went to the side of the stage and he got a drink and he just gave it to me. I don't know what was in it. Um, and that's the only rock and roll thing I've ever done. Really? And I, 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 it's just, um, but every time I've seen him, you know, I've, I've never been wanting to do that again because I mean, I know he jumps into the audience, so like you see him, he's very close yeah. contact with his audience. 
but he's amazing. He's just, he just, I mean, when, the last time I saw him, he must have been, you know, he's, he's 70 odd now. So when he did the post rock depression tour, he must have been in his late 60s, early 70s. And for somebody to still be able to do that, I don't know if you've seen the Jules Holland when he, when he did post, when he was off with Josh Rummy, he did, um, he did Lost the Life to start with. And the, the track you don't see anymore on, on YouTube, but it, might, it might be on iPlayer, when he did The Passenger and, uh, on, on, on Jules Holland. And he doesn't stay with the band, he just goes on all the other bands and he's singing with the audience. Oh, really? And just see everybody. But he, he, he's my hero. He's my absolute hero. And I just, I love him. I, I, you know, I'm a massive fan of The Idiot, the album The Idiot. Um, you know, when I first heard the first two Stooges, when the Stooges got back together, I, you know, I know it was Iggy and the Stooges, and I think, if I remember rightly, they only played Stooges stuff, so they didn't play any, any of his solo stuff. But just to see him and the Ashton Brothers on guitar and, and the other one on drums, and I think uh, Mike Watt was on, from the Minutemen was on bass, because like, obviously the original guitarist died a long time ago. And, you know, and then that, that performance at Glastonbury, because when, when he used to do real good time, real cool time, there's always a massive stage invasion. And he, every time I saw him when he did it with the Stooges, there was a massive stage invasion. It's almost like he wanted the audience to be with him. It's yeah. that, that performer that's obviously come from that, um, you know, that, 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 that time where, you know, just to be just in that moment, you know what I mean? And he is just, you know, I, I, I love him to bits. You know, it's, um, yeah, and it, nobody else would be my headliner at Iggy Pop. Nobody at all. Amazing. And it'd be so difficult because I'd, I'd want to pick the, uh, the tracks he played at the same time. I mean, he definitely started with Raw Power. That was that, that's the that's the track that I love the most. But um, but yeah, he, he, you know, it, it's it's like nothing else I've ever seen. And bear in mind, all the hundreds of bands I have seen, he's still his head and shoulders as a live performer. About when he comes out on stage, and it's almost like yeah, let's let's do this. I've got you've got an hour and a half, two hours in my company. You know, you're gonna have the best night of your fucking life, whether you like it or not. And it is, he is outstanding. You know, you know the, the big guy or whatever needs to give him a lifetime achievement award. You know, the thing at the Brits, when yeah, they, yeah. they always give it to some person that doesn't really deserve it. <laughs> I'm being honest. They haven't given it to the metal artists, which I'm always disappointed by. So, uh, but yeah, they should. They gave it to anybody. It should be to Iggy Pop because he he is my hero. He is my headline of my festival. You know, and it would just it it, it would and having Curtis there would just be brilliant. Because um, Curtis will be there all the way at the front with me. You know, he'll be right at the front, t-shirt off, getting stuck in, you know, having a good time. So brilliant, brilliant rock and roll story. So Iggy Pop is the headliner of your fantastical. So he'll take us through into is it eleven o'clock? He's going to stop at eleven thirty. So we've got time for one more song. So Trams, Mogwai, Donna Summer, Bell and Sebastian are going to join Iggy Pop on stage for the last song to close your fantasy festival. This was so hard to do. <laughs> I, I, I went through so many different variations and then only late last night, and it was just how it happened. I was watching something else on YouTube because I was doing, and this song came on, and I don't know why, this is this is one of those artists, um, you know, and who, I, again, is, is a brilliant artist or a brilliant band, uh, so we're going to sing uh, Elbows One A Day Alike. Oh, uh, great track. And it was just playing on my iPad. I was just thinking, I've got to, and it was just one of those weird moments. It, it, you know, you know, some of me watching YouTube will play the next clip or whatever. It must be something I've just been playing. But uh, so we'd have everybody in Lama Tree Gardens, those acts, my friends, you know, singing along one day like this by elbow. So. That, that sounds like a fantastic way to close a fantastic fantasy festival. So let's summarise. So 
until we lock it in, you can still change your mind. But I'm, mm. I don't think you will. I think you've done too much work yeah. to, to change it over. So we are having Paul listens to Heavenly Half Day Meltdown Pants Festival taking place at Lama Tree Gardens in Wiltshire. Uh, in your opening act, we're having trams followed by Mogwai in your super second slot. In your midway master slot, we're going to have Donna Summer, who's going to play her album Bad Girls. In your pre-headline slot, we're having Bell and Sebastian, followed by Iggy Pop taking your headline slot. And they are all going to perform one day like this as your encore. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hammond, you got a big smile on your face. We doing it? I'm quite relieved it's over. He, I, <laughs> you might see this on the podcast, but I was so nervous about doing this. Uh, not, not. I love talking about music, but this is just a new experience for me, so it's taking out my comfort zone. We're going to. What are you going to say now? Yeah, I was going to say it's done. It's done. It's locked and loaded. Is, it? well, is that what we call it? Locked yeah, logged in. Logged in. Locked in and loaded. So that is it. Thank you for listening to the 24th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this. Please subscribe, give the Fantastical Podcast a review on iTunes. And if you listen on Spotify or Anchor, give the podcast a follow. And if you've enjoyed tonight, please recommend the podcast to all your families and friends. If you listen on Anchor, you can also send us a voice message, uh, which is on the episode description of the device that you are listening to this podcast on. It's such a shame on podcasts, you can't really play music, otherwise we could have interspersed tracks. But I will get some tracks from Paul and I'll whack it onto our fantastical Spotify playlist. So if there's any acts that you haven't heard of who made Paul's five, go and check them out on our playlist. A huge thank you to my 24 fantastical podcast guest, Mr. Paul Hammond. How have you found it all? I know you were I'm, nervous, but I think you've done very well. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it's been one of the, you know, it's, it's been so much fun. I mean, not only coming to see you in Mermaid House, <laughs> uh, but this has been, as I said to you earlier on, this has been um, a lovely project because I, I don't work with music now. Uh, you know, I, I do something completely different, even though music is still a massive part of my life. Um, and it will always continue to be a massive part of my life. But just, this has just been an absolute joy to do. I honestly, and, and it's flown by and I've just really enjoyed it. So thanks, Steve, for inviting me. And, you know, I just, I'm over the moon. I'm really over the moon by it. So thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and your passions really come across. Like I knew it would yeah. having you on the podcast. So thank you to Paul for joining me. I'll be back soon with episode number 25. So please make sure to join me then. But until then, my friends, stay safe. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Mm-hmm.